Hey everyone, I'm your host Patrick, and welcome back to another episode of Not Adding Up. This week, I have a very, very special co-host that I've been talking about for a while now. Marianne from the one and only Crime Scene and Cupcakes is on the show this week. Hey guys, how are you? And hey, Patrick. Marianne and I just actually recorded a very special episode for her channel on a missing person, Rachel Pratt, and that will be coming out very soon. So definitely keep your eyes out for that episode as well. Yeah, it made our brains hurt. It was so. definitely it was definitely a doozy of a case. And very yeah. special in the fact that the Garden City Police Department reached out to Mary Ann directly and asking her for help with spreading the word. So definitely very cool to be asked to be a part of that. And I'm very grateful. Yeah, we're always excited when a police department reaches out to spread the word on a cold case. So I'm excited to be a part of this case today. Yes, it seems like you had some some background on this case. It's not very not very reported on, and the reporting def like definitely stops at a at a part in the case where it shouldn't shouldn't really stop. But we'll get in we'll get into it. This week's case is Carla Stefaniak's disturbing trip to Costa Rica. Carla was an insurance agent living in Miami, Florida at the time of this case, and she was a huge travel lover and social media whiz who had a dream of traveling across the world and documenting it all on social media, and she was definitely living out this dream. She was always taking pictures and posting them and talking to her friends and family online, just had a very very prominent online persona. In November of 2018, which is when this case begins, Carla was planning a trip to celebrate her 36th birthday. For this milestone, she wanted to travel to Costa Rica to celebrate, and Carla was the type to celebrate her birthday all month long, so this was going to be a very big and fun trip. A friend of hers who I had the pleasure of speaking with regarding this case, says that they felt the trip had bad timing. Carla, of course, wanted her friend to come along with her to celebrate. However, her friend had just gotten back from a wedding in Turkey and didn't feel like they could swing another trip out of the country so soon. They also told me they had a weird feeling of sorts just from the very beginning about this trip, and they asked Carla to reconsider it but on a whim, I, I feel like that would be a lot to add, like to ask, like for your oh. birthday. Yeah, like don't go on this trip. Like I'm gonna go on this trip for my birthday. You know what I mean? Like I'm sorry you can't oh. come. Whenever you get the bad vibes, though. Yeah, the be- the good friend not feeling good, which I feel like that's yeah. not very common. Like we were, we were talking about in the case we just covered, like a mother's intuition. That's very you hear about that a lot. But when a good friend gets nervous for not really a reason they they don't really have one that's definitely weird yeah yeah you don't hear about the friend vibe very often but granted these are both grown adults so they do have a little bit more maturity with them and worrying about the the real world that's out there yeah carla obviously did not have these bad feelings from the start and she continued with her trip as planned heading to Costa Rica in late November of 2018. She did not go alone, however. She had her sister-in-law with her. Her sister-in-law, April, was going along. And the trip seemed to go as planned. She kept regular contact with all of her friends and family throughout the trip and was her normal bubbly self on social media, posting all of the activities they did. Everything was going to plan. On November 27th, the trip was coming to a close, however, and it was her final day in Costa Rica. 
So Carla and April, um, they booked with different flight, uh, different airlines. So they had completely different days going back. She, uh, April was going back on the 27th and Carla was going to go back on the 28th. Oh, okay. 28th was actually her birthday, which is, I'm, it's kind of upsetting that she would have to travel on. Yeah, she has to travel by herself. On her birthday, yeah. Oh, that sucks. But she went to drop off April at the airport. And then she got a ride from an Uber driver who gave her a tour of the downtown San Jose area. She would make an appointment with this same Uber driver Uber driver, as they kind of hit it off. Not really hit it off, but she felt comfortable with them. So she's like, okay, let's just do this again tomorrow. I need to go to the airport so you can just come back and pick me up. And we can do that. So simple enough, they had that arrangement. And by 5 p.m., she would be wrapping up her last evening in Costa Rica. She checked into an Airbnb that was near the airport. And this Airbnb was in a gated complex. This complex had security guards, too. So definitely from the outside, it seemed very safe. They were taking all their precautions. Definitely a, a place where if you were from out of country, you might feel extra safe. So this was her first night at the Airbnb. It was, this isn't where they had stayed the entire time as it was just a single room because April had gone home. So they stayed somewhere else beforehand. Yes. And it was my, I didn't have the exact locations, but I think this was a little closer to the airport because she was just going to get up and go to the airport the next morning. So instead of having to make a longer trip, she would just get up and go. That makes sense. The place at this Airbnb, um, this it had some pretty good reviews online, and a lot of the reviews were mentioning the safety features that the villa had to offer and the the views too, because it was just breathtaking. So whenever she first got there, she was pretty pretty satisfied upon her first impressions of the room, and it wasn't until she settled in that the aesthetic views kind of lost their effect on her. So as the evening went on, the power went out at some point in the evening, which is like when you're staying in oh my God. an expensive Airbnb in a foreign country, you definitely feel like that shouldn't happen. And when it does, you're like, oh God, what is, what is about to happen yeah. now? And as I said, she was very in contact with her friends constantly to the point where she was on FaceTime when the power went out. So she was talking to one of her friends and she was like, Oh my gosh, this is a big, like she was kind of freaking out a little bit. They were trying to keep her calm. And something that happened on FaceTime is that she told her friend that she needed a lot, some water and that she was going to ask one of the guards for help because she didn't really know where she could get some. So that was just something that was noted. I think it's kind of strange. I feel like, that that is something of note that I don't know. I yeah. feel like when you're staying at an Airbnb or someplace that is for tourists, that water would be pretty accessible. Yeah. yeah that's, that's generally something, something you would, you know, would know pretty, pretty offhand. offhand. Mm-hmm. Suddenly at 8.58 on November 27th, 2018, all of her communications with her friends ceased. Her family and friends tried to remain calm for a while. Maybe they thought her, they were just trying to think maybe her phone died or the power went out again and she just couldn't get onto a charger. Trying to maintain positive thoughts. On November 28th, which was, like I said, her actual birthday, her friends and family shower her with social media posts, text messages, phone calls, the whole nine yards, as you would on somebody's birthday. And all of these go unanswered. So now they're they're very they're very worried. This is this is not Carla. She's always on social media, especially on her birthday. She's going to be interacting with all of her friends, and especially when she can't be with her friends, like she's all alone. So the only way that she's going to feel like she has like that she's surrounded by her friends and family, I feel like, is virtually at that point. Yeah. So yeah, they're they're definitely starting to worry. And where it stick to their stomach, they would head to the airport to pick her up. 
She was supposed to arrive at the Fort Lauderdale airport that evening. However, when the plane landed, she was not there. And they find out that she never even boarded the flight. So at this point, they are wasting no time and they contacted both Costa Rican and U.S. authorities. And apparently, I, I, this came up, and I'm assuming this had to be for Costa Rica because this isn't a thing for the United States, but she had to be missing for 48 hours for an official report. And that, that's definitely not a thing here, correct? That's like a TV yeah. rumor, like you have to be missing for so right. long. But I was like, well, that's not, but it must be something of the sort in Costa Rica because that was noted that it was a hurdle that they had to, to deal with her friends and family. Yeah, because that's definitely not anything here um, anymore. No, yeah, that definitely has been. We have plenty of examples on why that should not be, should not be the case. And as you said in your last Absolutely. episode, we should treat every runaway situation like we need to look every leave no stone unturned. Yeah, right. So at this point, they feel very desperate and they don't really know what else they can do. So they take to social media. And her friend that I spoke with said they began running Facebook ads in Costa Rica and surrounding countries, like doing everything that they could to get her poster out there, to get her face out there, maybe to get some media on it. And this is exactly how they got the media involved, which is definitely, I think sometimes you feel like these, these things happen and the media just like shows up at your door and like these big stories happen, but it's not necessarily like a lot of the times there's, Stories that can be told and there will be people paying attention, but the media doesn't see the interest. And as we'll get into the media in this case, it really seems like they have a conclusion to the story and like they have accepted a conclusion and her family and friends have not. So it's just media coverage can do a lot of good, but it can do it can do some some bad too. Well, and like you said, I don't think people realize how much of it is actually up to family or loved ones. And if somebody doesn't have someone who's willing to advocate for them like that, that case gets totally shoved aside. And luckily for Carla, she was surrounded by friends and family who cared deeply for her. And we're not just going to let this get swept under the rug even if it was thousands of miles overseas so that's wonderful her friend that i spoke with emailed the owner of the airbnb and his response back is certainly one that doesn't add up and this is not something that was reported in any articles or anything i wouldn't have known this if i didn't get in touch with them because it was just their email communications but she was like, okay, where is my friend? Like, she didn't, she's not showing back up. We know that she was there last night. We literally saw her on video in this Airbnb. And the owner said that she left at 5 a.m. And at first they said it was in an Uber. But then they take that back and say, no, she left in a taxi. And after that, he just stopped responding because her friend was not, not, he was like, I don't think either one of these answers are making sense. And then he stopped responding to her friend, but he did send another email. And this email was to Carla to inform her that her friends were worried and that she should reach out. Oh my God. So, yeah. So you're making up these stories. What is your motivation for that? If you don't know where she is, but you're going to send her an email. That doesn't doesn't make any sense. Definitely doesn't add up. No, no. We're like, why? Why would you do that if you apparently knew that she left and all of these things? Yeah, it's weird. So, like I said, yeah, we would never know about this email if I hadn't talked to her friends. But that is just something that once we get into more things is very ominous, very, very ominous. Her friend also informed me that not only was this a seemingly unsafe upscale Airbnb, 
but it was in a very affluent part of town. And there were some wealthy people and some powerful people living in the area surrounding it. They didn't really, I'm not sure if it was powerful as in like politicians powerful or powerful, maybe just like celebrities, but people with money and influence live in this area. It's not a quote unquote dangerous area for locals, at least is what it seems like. It seems like a very high end. In just a few days, Carla's family is on the ground searching. They visited the villa on December 1st. So that would have been three days after. And that's, I'm like, whenever I hear about my last, my last week's case or a few weeks ago with uh, Natalie Holloway, like they were in Aruba that same day. It's just people like dropping everything, like dropping your work, dropping everything, flying out of the country, making the arrangements, like. Yeah, it's. It's not like they're going a few hours. I mean, they're leaving the country to go find their their family. They are making sure. That's insane. When they visited the villa on December 1st, they were shown the room that she stayed in. And this room was immaculate, as you would expect it to be for a new Airbnb guest. They're keeping it clean and tidy. All the regulations the guard told the family that he saw her leave early morning on the 28th the same story that we got from the owner of the airbnb the driver that picked her up put luggage into the trunk of the vehicle and left and this was a dark gray slash black car assumably the uber that she made the arrangements with so her family tracks down this uber and lo and behold Can you guess what he told them? He never picked her up. Never seen her. He showed up for the 8.30 time. 8.30, mind you. 8.30. Not 5 a.m. Because whenever her friends and family were hearing 5 a.m., they were like, Carla, Carla getting up at (laughs) 5 a.m. The the same Carla I know getting up at 5 a.m. and getting in that Uber. I don't know about that. Oh, hell no. I don't think that makes sense. So they were like, but the 8.30, they were like, this makes sense. And this seems like all right, we know that she was with this Uber yesterday. We know that it was 8.30. Like, this is one thing that's actually some concrete information. So he doesn't seem like a suspect in this case to the family, to the authorities. Not, It's not really suspicious. The Costa yeah, Rican... his story sounds right. Yeah, yeah. He just was doing his job. The Costa Rican police were dragging their feet a little bit. So the FBI... Agreed to assist. (laughs) They looked into her phone records and discovered that she never left the villa. Yet her belongings were nowhere to be found in this clean room. On December 3rd, investigators would use police dogs and special chemicals to search through the room. And they made a horrifying discovery. There were traces of blood everywhere in the room. And there was indication that had been, that it had been cleaned repeatedly with bleach and vinegar. This called for a search of the surrounding area using cadaver dogs. And it did not take authorities long to make a very shocking discovery. I'm going to give a tr- quick trigger warning for some graphic content. A naked body was partially wrapped in plastic and found less than a thousand feet away from the villa. Forensic testing confirmed it to be Carla. Carla had suffered blunt force trauma to the head, had numerous slashes all over her body that were inflicted by a knife, seven stab wounds to her face, as well as a number of intense defensive wounds that showed investigators she put up one hell of a fight. Something her friends and families were sure she would have done. Carla had been brutally sexually assaulted in both her anus and vagina. And her friend told me, quote, They always thought it was more than one person from minute zero. I knew the moment she disappeared. Carla was very strong. She did CrossFit and she was always active. So they knew 
that to overpower this full-grown, very fit woman and cause this much damage to her, that it is it's not likely to be one person. Yeah. And the fact that even if it wasn't even if it wasn't one person that committed the crime, more than one people have to know about it if we have this room that has been extensively cleaned in time for check-ins the next day. Well, not only that, you have almost immediately so many different people corroborating that, oh, she left at early in the morning. I mean, immediately you've got people already sharing the story. So it's making it seem like there is a, a chain, a chain of command or a chain of information that is going. Yeah. I mean, I I would definitely say there's some collusion going on. Mm -hmm. Her family believes that she was being watched and was targeted, which is very, very likely in this situation. Her father and brother went to the morgue to identify her. And a truly touching quote from her father is, I stood in the corner of the table and I talked to her. I said to her, I am here. We always love you. Please fly now. This place is not for you. There is a nice place with many lights waiting for you. Please fly as soon as you can. God bless you forever. And that, oh, I was like, and I'm pretty sure this was like, they had the, they had confirmation. They had, they knew it was Carla. And I think this was just, he needed to say goodbye to his daughter. Oh, that's so. And yeah, that one just chills. It takes a lot, takes a lot to give me chills. And that one definitely, that one definitely gave me chills. I was. Yeah. Oh, that poor family. So. While they seem like they were kind of dragging their feet in the beginning, there were some very speedy developments following the discovery of her body. A security guard who lived in the villa was arrested. He was living in the room adjacent to Carla's, and he was also the one that lied about her getting picked up the previous evening. So he was living on the property? Yes. Bismarck? Espinosa Martinez was an illegal immigrant from Nicaragua and was kept behind bars due to being a flight risk following this arrest. After a lengthy trial that would take over a year, Martinez was found guilty of second-degree murder and sentenced to only 16 years in prison. And it was second-degree because for, for some reason there's no evidence for intent here for premeditation yeah and which is like you can kind of see like spur of the moment type deal but like i don't know you were literally working as a security guard in an airbnb for female tour like not necessarily just female tourists but that seems like you did a little thinking before you took that position but then again yeah obviously martinez is very guilty in this situation actually actually He's guilty in this situation, but we, ah, we really don't know how how guilty because there's not very much hard evidence to link him to the crime. And we're going to get into that. Okay. I was going to say, what is there to link him? The, I, it seems like only the only thing that they have to link him to the crime is a confession where he huh. told his mother and his mother told another person and this person I think was a housekeeper at the Airbnb as well and that's the person with the conscience who came out and told them that he confessed but that is not doesn't seem like very I don't know the her friends and family or at least her friends don't necessarily believe that that's what went down okay so I'm gonna backtrack here yeah my my ADHD came out a little bit So we have an illegal immigrant who confesses to his mother and somebody that works at this B&B, which is very important to tourism in an affluent 
area in Costa Rica, they basically turn them in because they need a scapegoat. Okay. I just want to make sure I'm following the track. Precisely, precisely okay. what her friends are thinking. The weakest, I mean, that's, the weakest link. Yeah. The weakest link. Yeah, it seems like the easiest throwaway. If he's already there illegally, he, it seems like the easiest one to dispose of. And I had that thought, like, even just reading the articles, like, when you when you see illegal immigrant yeah. before, I'm like, oh, God, well, they're done for, even if they didn't do it. But in this, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll continue. So while it seems like they're very happy with not by they authorities and media are very happy with this conviction and consider the case closed, there is so, so much about this that doesn't make sense. Number one, we already covered was the fact that he, the, the biggest thing that we had here, the smoking gun is the confession to his mother and another friend. So those things... And it, it's not even clear, like, it's not crystal clear to me if he told his mother and his mother told one of his friends, but I, I think that he told his mother and then a, a, a separate coworker. I think I might have made that a little confusing earlier. But number two, the defense attorney that defended Martinez was a well-known and expensive one. So how did this illegal immigrant obtain such a... Uh, noteworthy attorney and this case was dragged out for very long because he had a good attorney and there was not uh it just doesn't make sense on how somebody with yeah little resources like that living at their place of employment was able to do that number huh. three there was dna found under carla's fingernails and this dna does not match martinez it does not match him there is somebody else's DNA under her fingernails who is not in jail, who is not in prison, who has never been charged for this crime. Did they even run the DNA? It doesn't seem like they did. It doesn't seem like they are interested in running the DNA. So they basically got their guy. So we're just going to ignore the evidence and we're just going to take this guy. Yep. And number four, this one actually is like number four, four, but this seems like it was released after most of the developments because it wasn't mentioned in the media, but there were four traces of seminal fluid found in Carla and none of it matched him. So we don't have DNA. We don't have the, like the seminal fluids not matching him. Like we, all of the hard evidence is not there. All of the hard evidence is not there, yet the conclusion is that this man is in prison and that he was one man that killed her. So anything that normally we would take as a case, if let's say it happened in West Virginia, and right now people would be screaming, saying, this is not forensic evidence. This case is, you can't convict on this. But, and it's like, but the media sources are all based in the United States. And I will be damned if you can find any articles past the articles discussing his conviction. It is literally, you Google Carla Stefaniak, and those are the articles that come up. This man was convicted, case closed, we're done. And it has made, it has made her family and friends cautious to work with media because they're afraid that they're going to continue to spew this narrative that is just not true that i just can't wrap my head around anybody who has looked into true crime anybody who's worked in law enforcement yeah has a hard time wrapping their head around this yeah i mean i i i was just looking at the new york times and saw that and it was just like how could you just take this and accept it if you saw the same thing happen right here in New York, you would be screaming out that they were targeting an illegal immigrant. Exactly. Why are you okay with it happening in Costa Rica and not saying anything? Maybe because there's somebody who has a lot of money who doesn't want anything to be said. 
like the owner of the Airbnb. And that's my number five. So this owner of the Airbnb is apparently banned from entering the country is what her friends found looking into him. And I tried to look into him. And the only information that you can find on this man is that he was admitted to the bar in California in 1982. And that in between 2002 and 2008, he worked for six corporations Four of them were listed as suspended or forfeited by the Franchise Tax Board. And the other two have just been dissolved. Which I don't, I'm not a very businessy businessman. But those numbers seem like in six years, all, six corporations you've worked for all going under doing for some reason. And you're not allowed back in the country after you're admitted to the bar. What's going on? Yeah. Because they, they sent me a lot, like, they sent me a lot on this guy, and, like, I tried everything I could to, like, find anything on it, and it was just some, it was kind of like a LinkedIn-type deal, giving his, like, professional history and whatnot. But mm. he, it's very, very suspicious, especially after he sent that covering-his-ass email to Carla and told his guard to tell this story. Well, that's that's my own speculation, but that's really what it seems like. Is he told his guard to tell this story? Oh yeah, definitely. Another point that doesn't make any sense with this conclusion, and that we've already touched on a little bit, is that Carla was a very fit woman and had wounds on her. She had numerous, numerous wounds on her. The room was spotless, and she was partially buried hundreds of feet away from the Airbnb, which means she was dragged out through the woods. None of this makes it seem like one person could have known about this crime and covered it all up and got it all dealt with in such a quick manner. In an area that's not, that's highly trafficked. That's like, there's people who live here driving around. There's people who stay here for the Airbnb. There's security guards working here, like, yeah, yeah, that's, that's one, one of the things, things I was, was going to say is, well, and one of my other questions is, did they have security cameras? Not that, not that was any sort of touched on in the investigations or anything. Nothing was mentioned of any CCTV, but with it taking place in 2018, you would have to assume that there would have been CCTV cameras there. Yes. But, ah. Then again, I don't know. With it being an Airbnb, maybe not. Yeah. But you have gates, you have guards. I mean, I would figure you'd have cameras. That and that's See, that's, yeah, very interesting. It's, it's things like that that are so big and so obvious that, like, when you're researching, you never think about. And I, whenever I was talking, whenever I was talking to her friend, they didn't really mention anything about that. But with the difficulty they had with any sort of cooperation from these people. I'm sure that if they did have that footage and it's long gone. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it wasn't the Costa Rican authorities that were interested. Sorry to interrupt that were interested in looking into it. So like, I feel like who the people trying to pull that footage, like who would be able to do that? Like the FBI looked into her phone records because they could do that. But yeah, because Well, and that's the thing that, you know, where you deal with federal law enforcement and what their ability is dealing between what they can do with a case with Costa Rica law enforcement. I mean, there's only so far that they can go. So there are limitations of what they can do as well. And her friends speak wonderfully of the FBI in this case. We'll get into that a little bit more. But they said that they were an amazing, amazing help. So that is definitely not an issue in this case, is the assistance that they received there. That's good. But without with all these six reasons that we've listed and discussed, yes, none, it does not seem like Costa Rican authorities are going to continue to look into this case with an illegal immigrant behind bars and nothing else done. They feel, I guess, pleased 
and that it's a safe area again. Does it make me want to take a trip? No, 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 no. And I'm already all my cruise ones. And then this, yeah. I'm good. <laughs> Staying home. <laughs> As I've mentioned multiple times, one of her friends was trusting enough to spend some time on the phone with me, and they laid out everything for me. They wished to remain anonymous, but I could not thank them enough for spending the time, for taking the time to speak with me about this case. It seems like they, they are being contacted by large media sources routinely, and they are not wanting any mainstream coverage anymore in fear of this story being told as one that has a conclusion. They were my main source for this case, and the information that they have shared with me has been throughout what I have gone over so far, but I wanted to give you another section of information slash opinions that comes from somebody that knew Carla very, very well. As I said, starting from the beginning, they were freaking the fuck out. They knew something was wrong, especially whenever they knew they had that feeling before they even took the trip. They were like, what? All of this is confirming now. Like, I knew something bad was going to happen. They were the ones that contacted the owner of the Airbnb and got those sketchy emails in return. And they reported that the Costa Rican authorities were little to no help, neglecting to even go inside the property. Does that sound familiar? Uh, no, yes. Not even going uh, inside. What the hell? The FBI, on the other, other hand, were wonderful and really took every single detail into account. However, with it taking place in Costa Rica, as Marianne just said, there is only so much that they could do. They did it's find... It's frustrating. The FBI, after they got involved, five hours later was when her body was found. Well, no, five hours after the friend that I spoke to left the FBI office, her body was found. Very overwhelming. Everything is happening at once for her, all of this information and feeling so helpless that the authorities that were actually on the ground are not doing as much as they should. The FBI also gave money to Costa Rica for further testing of the seminal fluids. And it seems like this was never done. And if it was done, we don't have any reports of it. We don't know the results. We have no information. It is important to note that Carla's case very much so started as a grassroots one. And if she didn't have the dedicated friends and family it could have very well been swept under the rug very easily, very easily. Absolutely. If the family have even waited a week to fly out to Costa Rica, which I'm sure is a very hearty and very expensive unplanned expense, how much difference would this case have been? Oh, yeah. I didn't even think about that. But what if they weren't able to afford to go out there? If there is somebody more behind it, could they have just disposed of her body and nobody ever would have known? Because it seems like with it being so close to the Airbnb, that was not going to be a final like, yeah. place and partially buried. Like, I don't think that I feel like she was probably going to be moved again. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think that was just stow the body there for now until traffic dies down and they were going to move. Uh -huh. I agree. So her friend's theory is that multiple men came into her room and the owner of the Airbnb was either involved or at least aware of this. They do not believe that Martinez confessed rather that he was coerced by a powerful individual, as he is certainly an easy target for law enforcement. They pointed out that the Airbnb was in a very nice area, with some influential people living around it, possibly giving the country some reason to cover up the story. This could be 100% strictly like property value reasons, or it could be because somebody with power was involved in some way that would be some bad press for them. Regardless, it clearly seems like this Airbnb is a very dangerous place for women traveling alone. One last thing about this case that's just very strange. 
The night that the friends contacted the FBI, they also hired a hacker to get into Carla's accounts and try to locate her phone. After leaving the hacker's house, her friend received a call from another friend of hers saying that they received a tip from a psychic in Tennessee. This psychic was saying that more than one man had entered her room. The psychic also gave the location of the body, which was also which was later verified. Oh, wow. This woman didn't have any connections to Carla, and she said that she was just reaching out to contact her friends and family in any way that she could, as she just wanted resolution. Oh, that gives me chills. That's because you hear all mediums always being involved in the stories and never something like that. That's. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you hear about so many Airbnbs that have cameras in them. Oh, my gosh. I we're, we're staying in an Airbnb this year for my family vacation. And my mom's going to listen to this episode now. So I guess it's uh, the cat's out of the bag. But I always bite my tongue because I'm like, Airbnbs are so sketchy. Like, they're going to be watching us. They're going to be, like, stalking us. Like, they're going to be like, ah, I would rather stay in a Hampton. But I I could honestly, I'm like, I could care less. But it's still like, yeah, the Airbnbs are. Well, I got to tell you, especially with this. and, And I don't think people realize when it comes to tourism of these type of areas, how far they're willing to go to protect tourism. They're willing to kill somebody to protect their tourism. Millions and millions and millions of dollars. Yeah. So covering up a murder, covering up sex trafficking, any of that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They're, they're absolutely willing to do it. So yeah, with this case, I wouldn't be surprised. And that at all. But I, I do find it really weird that there there isn't a little bit more about CCTV footage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like not that because I I've not even had that thought. Like I've not even been like this is this is a huge piece missing from this case. Where like her entering, her exiting, all of her movements. Granted, there was that power outage. So that could have messed with a lot of it. That could have, like, every maybe everything after the power outage, like, wasn't online, wasn't working. So that could have been a big, uh, big hole. You know where I'm thinking with that? The power outage happened because they were cutting off the cameras because they were planning this the whole time. So you have this group of guys that are planning that they know this woman's alone, they were planning on cutting the cameras, accidentally cut the whole power, it, got the power back oh, on. Okay, and, okay. Because I was going to say, well, the power came back on. But no, their their plans were to cut the camera and they messed up and they messed up the whole power. Yeah. That. They weren't as smart as they thought they were. Cut everything and we're like, shit, we may have given her heads up. Now we've got to get tools or whatever to prepare ourselves. We, we didn't think we were going to have to hurt her, but now we may have to. Ooh, that that gives me chills. That's like the last case I did with that. See, anytime, like, if you're, if CCTV cuts out in, like, a prime time, I'm oh, like, yeah. when do we need CCTV? Not very much. But when we need it and it cuts out, that's not, that's something more. That's something oh, more. The CCTV is the ones that's motion controlled. Or oh my god, the Kess was was what's the case where the guy's Jennifer Kessie, in the fence? Jennifer Kessie. Oh my god. That, that one that one was like a I think that was a camera that only took pictures every few seconds though. That's right. But that's yeah. still like what are the chances? What are the chances? Yeah, we had one case that was like motion controlled and we kept like, oh my god, oh my god. And then finally a bug landed on it, on the camera. So then the camera started moving again. And we were like, yes, the camera's moving again. <laughs> so it helped a little bit. But <laughs> yeah, so we had um, a grasshopper landed on it. So it helped us. So Doing thank God for that grasshopper. the justice system, yes. <laughs> That's right. 
our little grasshopper for justice. <laughs> so, but um, did you talk to the family about doing a petition? No, I, I did not. Because um, I wrote one up for the Dolly Madison case, and we're going to present that to the FBI to get them to take over this case in Great Bend. So, I mean, you can do that. that I think you had suggested me telling them to reach out to the Florida Attorney General for help. Yeah, and I yes. did. I did have. I did reach out and tell them that, and they're thanks. Uh, Thank you for that idea. So I would definitely have to see if they have gone that avenue or not. They de they seem like they've they've done a lot. They've tried to do everything they can, but I'd, like I said, at this point, they're kind of distancing themselves from media. At least, obviously, still probably yeah. working with the law enforcement that they can. But the friend that I spoke to is definitely trying to stay out of all sorts of limelight. Yeah. I could understand why. Which was kind of surprising to me because they got back to me like instantly. I was very surprised by how quickly they got back to me because this is, this case was on investigate discovery. Like it was pretty, it's a bigger case. So quick to respond. And is also so hesitant to work with media really made me feel honored that it took the time to speak with me. You've set yourself up with a good reputation. That's everything. So that's awesome. I do hear the dog now. <laughs> Those are mine. Okay, okay. They're ready now. They're getting tired. <laughs> well, good thing we're wrapping up then. Yeah. When I spoke with her friend, they told me that a reporter had semi-recently asked the president of Costa Rica, Rodrigo Chavez Robles, about her case. And he said that they were, quote, working on it. So that could mean they're actually working on it and being type lipped, or that could mean they're working on it and it's a press conference <laughs> and he's just given that answer. So maybe there will be something, but it's been a long time. They had, they got money for the testing. Like there should be something new and there's not. Yeah. Yeah. You don't mess with the FBI though. When they give you money. Okay. They give you money. You do what you're supposed to do. Okay. So that's good to know then at least. That's good to know. Yeah. Because I'm like, you just don't mess with the FBI, period. <laughs> like, you just yeah, don't, you just me you don't, mess with the you just FBI. don't mess with the FBI. So I'm sure if you mess with their money, yeah. Yeah. And something I didn't really want to spend too much time on because there's very little information because not everybody is as lucky to have such a strong support system and friends and family. But there is also a possible connection with Carla's case to some other women who have vanished in the area, making this seem like a potential trafficking or just tourist targeting hotspot. Yeah. So, I mean, it was definitely women want to be careful in that area. And definitely don't go to that Airbnb. Even just like traveling in general and unfamiliar places is always. The yeah. And don't travel alone. Mm-hmm. Which she she was uh, most of the time she wasn't alone. Just that short, yeah, but even that true. short, even that like half of the day or four day of being alone, that can still be still be enough. People act quickly. Okay, and I have people that know me who just heard me say that, and y'all know I travel alone, but I'm different. <laughs> <laughs> I can do as I alone. say, not as I do. Okay, exactly, exactly. <laughs> But yes, that is that is the very upsetting case of Carla Stefaniak that has a conclusion that does not make any sense whatsoever. That is a conclusion that is not a conclusion. That it it I've never heard of actually having forensic evidence that you're not testing. That is so frustrating because so many cases you don't have any evidence. So I can't imagine how her family is feeling. And I always say this with my cases, like hopefully I'll be able to give an update, but I think that for this case, out of any case that I've done, I hope more than anything that 
I am able to give an update because this is the case that we have the clearest picture with maybe Natalie Holloway of Jordan Vandersloot seems pretty goatee in that one. But this one, like we, there's DNA that's not his. Like whose DNA is that? Let's let's figure that out. Yeah, absolutely. So, and they've got the funds to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. So let's hope, let's hope that that quote they're working on it is actually the case. Actually work. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Mary Ann, for coming on the show and allowing me to co-host such a special episode with you on your show, Crime Scene Cupcakes. Well, thank you for letting me spend time with you yet again. I enjoy it. Giving you a couple of shout outs in some of my, my past episodes, but I will let you tell everybody, all my listeners, where they can get in contact with you on your socials if you'd like. Um, absolutely. Yeah. You guys can find us on, uh, Spotify, Apple, just basically anywhere you can stream it and YouTube, TikTok and Instagram and all those good places. And we're at crime scene and cupcake. Yeah. You got lucky with your username. I'm like, I can't, I just wish that Instagram I could have not adding up. They're not adding up on Instagram. It's like account that has like no followers. They don't post. I'm like, I just want that name. Oh, that's frustrating. Oh, just letting it sit there and go to waste. But Crime Scene and Cupcakes is definitely easy to remember and easy to look up. So everybody. Yeah. It's a little awkward though when you have to tell a detective, I'm Crime Scene and Cupcakes, (laughs) but I am a serious podcast. But they just got to listen. They just got to give it a chance. They just got to give That's it a right. chance. And they will realize that it is, like I said, it, you have more than a podcast. You definitely have a mission. And that is very special. Well, we both do. So, absolutely. If you want to get in touch with me, you can find me on Instagram at podcastnau. As we know that it's not, not adding up because I couldn't get that one. But yes, at podcastnau is my Instagram You can find me on TikTok and Facebook as well by looking up Not Adding Up. And I always like to hear everyone's opinions on the case. I, on TikTok, a lot of the times, like people comment like, oh, I knew her mother or like, I knew, like, I knew that I was in the town when this happened. Like, it's really cool to see how your coverage of the cases can reach people who like actually knew about it and how social media algorithms will help your content find the people that it matters to. Yeah. We always like to hear from anybody who may have known the victim or the family members. We, we want to know how these stories affect you. So absolutely. So definitely get in touch with us. We would love to hear from you. Thank you everybody for tuning in to another week of not adding up. I hope that you are all having a great morning, afternoon, or evening, whenever it is you are tuning in. And I hope that you tune in again next Saturday for another case that just does not add up.